obviously it's easier said than done. It's easier to just say this is what you need, but there's a lot of quirks and idiosyncrasies around that, you know, especially when you manage them. And it's not an exact science. If you can work towards that and if you can get 80% towards that, then you've done pretty well and the 20% won't matter. You are listening to Australia's tax news podcast, Tax Talks, the podcast for Australian tax professionals. Welcome to episode 200 of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. In this episode, Anne Chen of Wise Mentoring and Chen and Naylor will share more insights with you about the ideal team structure to manage 1 million in fees. If you haven't listened to the last episode yet, please do that first, since it will put this episode into the right context. So here's Ed Chen with more insights about how to structure your team. So the um, blueprint, the mm -hmm. ideal team structure is to have a client manager and then five grinders underneath for a million dollar fee. Yes, uh, and you need to... And that's nice and simple and easy to remember. Yes, and uh, within that, it's a little bit more complicated. It's because if you had a client manager that handled all the communication, then the communication comes from your A-class clients, your B-class clients, your C-class clients, and your D. So you've got A, B, C, and D-class clients. And the client manager initially handles all that communication, but eventually he or she will reach her capacity. Right. And then once she, he or she reaches a capacity, then you want to separate out the A and Bs to the Cs and Ds. So we then hire a an assistant client manager, which she, he or she has the potential, might be a junior, but he or she has got the potential to be a client manager. So it's like a trainee client manager, a, tri, a trainee senior client manager. We call them an assistant client manager, and we pass the communication work down to her or him and for the C and D class clients. How do you separate A to B to C to D? Is it just purely on fee structure? No, every practice is different. So I can have five practices here in front of me and I ask them, what's your definition of an A class client? And I'll have five different definitions. For most accountants, they go for fees. They go, if it's a $50,000 client, that's my A class client. Well, I, that's not my definition. The reason why it's not my definition is because a $50,000 client only wants to deal with a partner. They won't be happy to deal with the client manager. Oh, I see. So you actually put A well, the 50, to the 000, partner or to the CEO? Yeah, so the CEO doesn't see any of the clients except for um, the sales kind of activities and he or she, she doesn't charge. Right? The production does all the production when they charge. So it's a bit like um, if you walk into a, uh, if you're buying a car and you walk into a, a car showroom and the person that comes out, he's a finder and he spends an hour with you working out, you know, is it an automatic you want? What colour do you want? Is it automatic windows? You know, What, what are the names it? of your yes, children? Yes. He, he or she doesn't charge you for that, you know, because he's in the sales, he's in division three. Only when it gets to Division 4, which is production, when you order that car and it goes into Division 4, do you have to pay for it, right? But accountants who run a professional practice versus a manufacturing business, I call this a manufacturing business, we separate out Division 3 from Division 4. 
So if it's a sales activity, you don't charge for that. And often accountants in their mind's eye, because they've come from a division four production um, mindset or that's how they grew up, they're in production. So they charge for everything they do, which is the correct thing to do. But then when they run their business, they haven't got their head out of, you're no, no longer in division four in production. You're now in running a business. And you're in division, When you talk to a client, you're in division three. It's a sales task that you're doing. So they charge the client for a sales activity and then they, the client gets upset and, and leaves. And then the accountant goes, yeah, but I've got to charge for my time, which is correct if you're in the on the production line, if you're on the conveyor belt. But you're now in the sales division because that's what you do. So you don't charge for you know exploring opportunities and things like that. So there's, that's that mindset thing. So we put an assistant client manager in to take the workload off the senior assistant because that's all he or she's allowed to do. She's not allowed to do any grinding at all. And often, you know, the client managers uh, have a tendency to, to jump in there and do the grinding, which then takes their capacity to communicate with the clients. It reduces their capacity to communicate because they're caught up doing the grinding. And it's much easier and cheaper and faster to find a grinder for her or him than it is to find another client manager. Is there really that much communication that you need a client manager and an assistant client manager for mm. a fee of one million? Yes, absolutely. Because if you do your job properly, you're supposed to be finding as well as minding. Oh, I see. So the client manager is not just the minder, they are also the, so the finder. finder. Yes. That's But of role. course, you support them in the finding through your marketing. Marketing, yes. The difference between... Okay, yeah, then, then I can, see, then I can yes. see how they keep busy. Otherwise, I was wondering, what do they do all day? Well, ours are flat out. They work nine to five and they, at five o'clock they go home, but in that time, they're just absolutely flat out. In fact, they're, Because they're they in, also do the finding and that is yes. very time-consuming. You need yes. to meet... Correct. That's time intensive. You got a, you're the trusted advisor. They expect you to tell them, you know, that they've got a, a risk here. They need some life insurance or they need mm. some income protection. They, they of need course. to. They have all the meetings. Meetings are very yeah. time consuming. And, you know, they should be staying in their own self-managed super fund. They should be buying their, their offers in their self-managed super fund to take advantage of the rent that they're paying to a landlord. That, you know, all that takes time. Does Jenny Naylor yeah. have a financial services? Mm, we yeah. do, yes. Mm. I call it, the client managers are like the GP, right? So they're like a project manager. So they know plenty about medicine, right? or in our case, tax and accounting. But at the end of the day, if they want to set up a self-managed super fund, we go off to the financial planner. And if they want to invest some money, they go off to you know the financial planner. They need life insurance. And we bring the specialists to do that. But their job is to manage the client they're the trusted advisor and if they're not selling and i selling is a dirty word in accounting but being the trusted advisor they have to take care of the client and if they're not taking care of the client they're not doing their job mm -hmm. and that's a full-time role and of course if you try to do a part-time in other words you're trying to do some grinding as mm -hmm. well as some mining then you're not going to mine that database that's like a mm -hmm. gold mine in your database is a gold mine in You know, every accountancy practice, there's a gold mine there, and they're not mining it, they're just ignoring it. And I know this is a different topic, but you know, like I said, there were three ways to go grow your accountancy practice one is through advertising outside, secondly, is to mine your database, and third way is to acquire firms, right? acquire another firm. So, they're the three ways to grow, and there's no the middle way is obviously the best way because you know, you've got such a huge gold mine. 
but the client managers, if you don't manage them well, they just want to sit there and do the work. So if your client managers are sitting there grinding and not finding, then you're not going to grow that business. And uh, there's a tendency for them because they there are accountants and they come from an accounting background to sit there and grind the work. They'll say things like, oh, nobody else can do it like I can do it. And it's quicker if I just do it myself. And, you know, by the time I train someone, I could do it myself. Whether that's all the wrong way of thinking. And it requires the leadership from the from a partner to lead that person down the right path because that attitude is not the right attitude for growing your firm. It's the right attitude to maintain your firm, but not the attitude to grow your firm. We haven't really covered the partner or the CEO yet. The CEO and partner would only do finding. They would yes. be a pure finder. Yeah. And then the client manager would be a minder, mm -hmm. but would also be a finder, finder. for the upsell. Yes, yes. They wouldn't, they wouldn't so much deal with new clients, but they would upsell to find new work among yeah. the current client base. Correct. So generally, because they've got a relationship with their clients, they will get word of mouth, new clients from word of mouth. So they have to see those people. They would have to see their existing clients to, you know, opportunities. opportunities yep. Mm -hmm. And then the marketing section, the difference between marketing and selling is marketing is like fertilizing the soil. So they've got fertile soil so that when you when you sell, which is seeding the soil, you'll get a crop, you'll grow, you'll come to fruition. If you seed barren ground, it won't grow. So you've got to fertilize that soil. That's what marketing is. Marketing is fertilizing the soil so that when you generate a lead, then generally the partner will see that prospect and introduce the client manager to that prospect because – in sales and marketing, I know we're digressing a little bit, the more marketing you do, the more fertilized the soil, the less quality salesman you need for that person to, to convert that, that prospect. The less marketing you do, the more quality salesman you need to convert that lead. So if you do your marketing right, and you put a reasonable amount of money into marketing, not a whole lot of money because most firms don't have a whole lot of money. Not even Chananella has um, a huge amount of money. But if you do a reasonable amount, the leads that you get will require a partner to convert, not the client manager. If you spend a million dollars a year in marketing, you might be able to get the client manager as the person to convert and not the partner. But because of most accountancy practice, they only put a small amount of marketing investment, then they require a better salesman, so to speak, which is the partner to see those clients. But of course, with existing clients, the client manager can see them because there's already a relationship with them. And it's much easier for the client manager to convert. Word of mouth from the client manager's clients, the client manager can convert. But the marketing that's done by the marketing team, which is division two, needs a better salesman to convert, and that's generally the partner or the CEO. I see. So the partner yeah. would see new clients yes. that haven't signed up yet, yep. whereas the client manager would see existing clients and also clients that have been referred through word of mouth. Correct, correct. So that's generally – now, that's just in the main, Heidi, so it's not an exact science. But, yes, of course. But if you can get 80% following the system, then you can manage the last 20%. It's just when you don't have a system and it's just trying to manage 100% and it's just chaotic, that's when it's all, you know, all over the place. But if you can 
get the ideal team structure, those three pillars in place, then you end up 80% of it is controlled. And then, of course, last 20%, you can manage that because business is not perfect in every sense and uh, things go wrong. So, But if 80% of it is handled and, and consistent and the water is flowing through that pipe, there's no leakages or anything, then you can manage the last 20%. It's easy yeah. to manage. And then people go, oh, I love this business and I just love this so much and I want to grow it. You know, whereas the opposite is when they've got this pipe and there's leaks everywhere, they go, I don't want to grow it anymore because they're, it's yeah. just too painful. I don't have any more mops. <laughs> That's right, I don't have any more mops. <laughs> That's right. As the business grows, then there's the assistant client manager and, of course, in the production team, accountants get to a stage when they're very, very, very experienced, but they're not client managers and they're two different roles. So someone said to me once, oh, my assistant client manager is less experienced than my the most senior person in the production team is called a senior production manager. He or she has many, many, many years of production experience. So among the five grinders, you mm-hmm. would have a senior production manager. So one Correct. of the five grinders is the senior production manager. Correct. He or she's in charge of the other grinders, if you like. And he or she is really, really experienced. She's gone right to the top of her career and there's nowhere else for her to go except as a senior production manager because she's not the right personality to be a client manager. But in her role as a senior production manager, she does a bit of managing with her staff and training with the production team and the grinders and the bookkeepers and so forth. And his or her role is to make sure that the I's are dotted and T's are crossed, that everything is done and proper. And of course, to get it to that stage, they're consistently liaising with the client manager or the assistant client manager to get it to that final product before handing it across and then the the senior client manager and the assistant client manager goes and sees the clients whether it's a and b class clients or c and d class clients now the often the senior production manager is much more experienced than the assistant client manager and the reason is they're just two different roles it's like saying you know the receptionist and the accountant they're two different roles so this one are two different roles so the senior production manager can never be a client manager she just doesn't, he or she doesn't have the skills. And often they don't want to do it. Do you easily get conflicts between the senior production manager and the assistant client manager? Not if you position it that way right from the start. If you don't, like uh, then yes, because the confusion often is that if you don't position the senior production manager, she, she he or she will often think that, you know, who's this young upstart that's coming through and yes. doing this. And in fact, it's the senior production manager who actually trains the assistant client manager to do the production work because she's still he or she's still you know junior and he or she's just got the potential to be a client manager so the senior I see. so the assistant client manager is often the grinder who came through the works with the potential shows, and shows, shows some potential in, yeah. and shows good relationship skills yes and they want to do it so often they don't want to do it but they have to have the potential then they have to want to do it then they get promoted to assistant client manager 
who does not sit above the senior production manager. She, he or she doesn't sit above them. She just sits side, side by mm. side. What's the average wage for an assistant client manager? Oh, there isn't really a set wage, but if I wanted to pick something out, you know, you need to be at least three or four or five years experience. So the salary of the senior production manager and the assistant client manager would be similar or is it possible no, that the assistant client manager would be earning more than the senior production no, manager? The, the assistant client manager would earn less than the production. Okay, good. Yeah, Because otherwise manager. there is yes. potential for conflict. Yes, yes. And the only reason why she's there is because she's She got as the an potential. assistant client manager. Yes. Hmm. Because the grinders, there's a lot more of them They're more available, they're a lot more abundant and there's a lot more of them that you can recruit. And often, you know, some of them can't even speak English, right? But you don't need them to speak English. They need to be able to speak basic English. Yeah, they need to be able to read English. Read and say basic communication with their senior production manager, but they don't need to have a really fantastic grasp. So outsourcing is perfect because they just need to know how to do the work And they don't need to talk to anybody, but they just need to sit there and you know, grind the work out. You just mentioned the word outsourcing. Did you yeah. ever look into outsourcing some of the grinding work offshore? Mm. We, we do. We're quite big on that. The reason is that I find that as a win-win for everybody. And my thinking around that is that, you know, the, the staff want their wages to go up. The clients want their fees to go down. So you're always stuck in the middle. And the only way that you can give high wages and be competitive with your pricing, the money's got to come from somewhere. It doesn't come from, you know, the trees. It's got to come from somewhere. And if you can save that money from somewhere, then you can pay your staff more money and you can be more competitive in your pricing with the clients. And outsourcing is a perfect mm -hmm. answer. Where do you outsource to? All over the place. Oh, I see. So you don't have a back office in the Philippines or in India? No, we, we don't have our own back office. We just go to different providers. Di different providers. And they're sitting yes. in different countries for different work. Correct. We do, at the moment, predominantly use the Philippines. And the reason for that is because... Same time zone, good English. Correct. It's an American education system that they've grown yes. up with. Very good work ethic. It, where they have this uh, attitude of... They've got this really good attitude of, you know, they're very um, grateful, like this grateful attitude that you're helping them, which you don't get with local staff sometimes. Was it 160 staff you have? Mm. That 160 staff is in Australia. In Australia. Oh, uh, yes, in the Philippines we've got, I think we've got 16 or something. Oh, okay. So it's still relatively small in comparison to the oh, yes, 150 yes. staff yes, you have yes. in Australia. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then the, the the staff you have in the Philippines, are they your staff in terms of you could take them out of the um, provider or they are the provider's staff and the provider gives you the staff and if somebody leaves, they give you a new Yes, person. it's like that. Yeah, they manage all So it's all not that. seat leasing where you basically put the person on the chair, you get the chair and the person. We do. They work predominantly for us. We pay their wages and we pay a seat fee to cover the HR issues, the um, computers, the security, the training. So we pay a monthly fee for that, but we pay them the salary. 
Do you know how much you pay per person per month? For the seat fee? Yeah, or for, the, for the seat fee and the salary and then also the overhead. I think because I'm not at that level, Heidi, mm. so I'm just guessing here. Um, yes. I think the seat fee is around $700 a month. Per I person? Think, per person. The salary is between 1200 or 1000 a month mm-hmm. to maybe 1500 a month, I think. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I'm not at that level, so I'm just, just yes. guessing, just listening to what the yeah, officers yeah. are saying. Yes, mm. so it's around that kind of figure. And then is there another fee or that's the two fees? Oh, and there's a recruitment fee, so you need to pay a recruitment fee, and then that's pretty much it. There might be a deposit, I think. You might have to put a deposit down, I think. Yeah. I think that's about it. So yeah. you pay about $2,000 to 2300 mm. 2400 per month. Yeah. So we normally have a bookkeeper in that team as well. So we don't run a separate bookkeeping team. So we have the bookkeepers within the team. So the, of the five grinders, mm. you have one grinder is a senior production manager and then mm-hmm. one grinder is a bookkeeper. Yes. Who basically just does the reconciliation of transactions, etc. Yes, and sometimes the bass and, yes. and that. Some firms run a separate bookkeeping business with just bookkeepers in them and managed by another bookkeeper. We don't do it like that. We run it under each team. No, that's probably about it. I mean, obviously, it's easier said than done. It's easier to just say this is what you need, but there's a lot of um, quirks and idiosyncrasies around that, you know, especially when you manage them. And it's not an exact science, by the way. If you can work towards that and if you can get 80% towards that, then you've done pretty well. And uh, the 20% won't matter. But in the main, that's, I think that's pretty much it. Welcome back. So the ideal team structure to manage one million in fees is one client manager, possibly supported by an assistant client manager, and then five grinders, of which one is the senior production manager and one does the bookkeeping. The important thing is that the partner is not part of this team of six or seven. Rather, the partner sits above and might have two or three or four or five teams, each managing one million in fees. And the client manager and assistant client managers, of course, need to be based in Australia since they are client facing. But the five grinders don't necessarily have to be. They can be in Australia if that is your strategy, but they can also be in an office you set up overseas. In the next episode, episode 201, Edward Chen will talk about marketing. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.